I'm speaking today about a new order. I'm speaking about creation. When God created the universe, he began with an order of material being or existence, and then created human life with a much higher order of life, with moral responsibility for relationships, with their loving responses. We're going to look at the ongoing work of God in the reordering of that relational order of our lives to bring us closer and closer to himself. We start with God as uncreated being, creating the material universe in the presence of his already created angelic spirit beings. The material universe was an order of created being or existence which reflected his creative genius of design in observable laws such as the laws of mathematics and physics and chemistry and the observable beauty of light and colour and the harmony of movement and sound and the forms of life and energy and growth. All of these laws and forms of the new order of created being were created out of emptiness and darkness and chaos and disorder. And we read in Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. We now see a new order, a new law of life. When God created humanity, the being that was to reflect the image of his own nature and being, he recreated within that being his own order of life, of love and trust. The first of these beings, Adam, broke the law of love and trust when he was deceived into a mistrust of God by another created spirit being, Lucifer, who had desecrated that law of love and trust through the darkness of his pride and deception. So we're going to look now at a new order, a new law of life, but it's not just a law of life, it's a law of life and death. Adam had allowed darkness into the being of humanity and a new order of human life came into being, the law of sin and death. Adam was no longer innocent and his disobedience estranged him from the life of God. Separation and death entered humanity from that time on. Nevertheless, God gave humanity a conscience concerning good and evil, which was not perfect because it was self-centered, but people could still choose to honor God. Many offered sacrifices to God out of a good heart, like Abel, while many others became corrupt and lived selfishly for themselves like Cain. So we come to a, another new order, the order of a good conscience towards God. So then came the time of Noah, and darkness had established a firm foothold in the human heart. God saw that the heart of mankind had become corrupt, and the whole earth was filled with violence and estrangement from God. God observed all of this corruption. He saw it in the world, filling the world, and he said to Noah, 
who had a good conscience towards God, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I'll wipe them all out along with the earth. God told Noah he would send a flood to cover the whole earth. That's in Genesis 6, verse 11. And he told Noah to build an ark. And God saved Noah and his family from the flood. After the rains and the flood had subsided, Noah was told to send out a dove, representing God's Spirit, to fly freely out over the earth as a sign of the new order of humanity being given a fresh start. From the time of Noah, a new order of mankind that descended from Noah began to live in the order of a good conscience towards God, which guided them within the integrity of their own hearts. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that this is how God judges those people that were there before the law came, the law of Moses. So we now look at that new order, a new law of life, the law of Moses. After Noah, God told a man called Abraham that he would become the father of the Hebrew nation. And through Abraham, there came forth the twelve tribes of Israel, and they lived in the new order of God's wisdom through the law of Moses. So it's the order of God's wisdom. And that was a new and higher order than the human conscience alone. They became the light of God and his word in the midst of the darkness in the nations round about them. But once again, the order of darkness began to demand its place to rule in the midst of this new nation, and they became like the nations around them. This is always the trend. The order of darkness took the form of their wanting to be ruled by an earthly king rather than by God, because all the other ungodly nations were ruled by kings. The prophet Samuel spoke to God with a heavy heart about what the people had demanded, and God said to him, I am the one they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they've continually forsaken me and followed other gods. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 8. So Samuel told the people what the Lord had said. You will shed bitter tears because of this king you are demanding, but the Lord will not help you. Even so, we still want a king, they said, for we want to be like the nations around us. The attack of darkness upon the hearts of God's people has now become set in the desire to want to be like the nations around them. And that is something we see today. Now, after the death of King Solomon, two distinct kingdoms were established. The kingdom of the ten northern tribes settled up north in Samaria, and the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin settled in Jerusalem in the south. The northern kingdom afterwards made ungodly alliances with the other nations and fell into idolatry and were finally dispersed and mysteriously disappeared, even though there were anointed prophets in both these kingdoms who faithfully set God's word and purpose before them and called them to repentance. Jeremiah was the prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin. 
and he became grieved about their corruption and idolatry under their mostly ungodly kings. God told Jeremiah that because of their disobedience, they would go into captivity into Babylon. But at the same time, he tells Jeremiah to buy a plot of land from his cousin in Ananoth, a town near Jerusalem. Jeremiah is perplexed by this directive from God. It seems like a contradiction of purpose. But then he realises that he's not just doing a favour for his cousin, but this purchase signifies that the land transaction is a symbol of the promised return of Israel one day back to their land. Jeremiah understands God's plan and promise, and he designates his trusted scribe Baruch to settle the sale and keep the deeds in safety. So I'm now going to read from Jeremiah chapter 45. It's a recurring theme of God's reordering, the things that God has to do to get his people back on track again, the things he has to reorder. God is always reordering, always in our lives and minds and hearts. He's reordering us to a higher order of relating to him. So let me read you this scripture, Jeremiah 45. The word that Jeremiah, the prophet, spoke. Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, which means blessed one, behold, what I have built, I'm breaking down. What I have planted, I'm plucking up. That is, the whole land. And seek not great things for yourself, for I am bringing affliction upon all flesh, says the Lord. But I will give you life as a gift in all places that you may go. Baruch, whose name means blessed one, was protected and blessed with life. The southern kingdom was taken into Babylon, and after 70 years, they were released, and they returned to Jerusalem and inherited all the land. But some years later, darkness again prevailed. It always creeps in. And there was another falling away. God's people received no more prophetic comfort or guidance for over 400 years from the time of their final prophet Malachi in those days, after they'd returned, until the time of John the Baptist, who prepared the way for the Messiah Jesus. There were many silent years. Before that southern kingdom went into captivity, however, God had promised a new order of life called the New Covenant, which is the law of God's wisdom written upon the heart, and it's in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, and that would be ordained upon God's people at a future time. But Jeremiah wrote the words of it. So there was this new order, a new law of life, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that was to come. God created that new order of life promised to Jeremiah in the incarnation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. God and humanity joining together in one spirit the greatest order of life for humanity to experience in the earth. This gift of the Father, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, 
through his son Jesus, who put to death the old order of life, the law of sin and death, when he died on the cross, and then rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, bringing us into that new order of the spirit of life through the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. Jesus sowed his life into death and reaped new life in resurrection so that we could inherit this new order of life in the spirit of life in Christ. When we look at our global society today around us, we see that it's become so disordered in recent times that we seem to be seeing the replay of the theme that we just saw in God's word through Jeremiah to Baruch. And I'll read it again. Behold, what I have built, I'm breaking down. What I've planted, I'm plucking up. That is the whole land. And seek not great things for yourself, for I am bringing affliction upon all flesh, says the Lord. But I'll give you life as a gift in all places that you may go. In the days in which we live, there is the breaking down of things that God has built, and there is the pulling up of things that God has planted. We are seeing the breaking down of once reliable democratic systems of government based on godly morals and the pulling up of deeply rooted traditions in a new cultural order that replaces the godly foundations with shallow ideologies, special interest groups that are pitched one against the other. This causes disdain and resentment from zealots to be aimed against people who don't always agree with the new order virtues or ideologies that spring up with shallow roots. Their demand is often this, we want to do as we please, and we would like a law framed for us to have freedom to do what we want, and the power to punish anyone who wants to stop us or attempts to criticise us. We're also seeing violence and human suffering and the violent aggression of Russia against Ukraine, which is also against the values of the freedom of Western democracy. We also see personal affliction everywhere and the disruption of health and safety and the pressure on financial systems caused by the global COVID pandemic and natural disasters like fires and floods. This is the time to pray for God's reordering of his kingdom values to challenge today's disordered culture and bring his order of life once more into this world. God's new order. It will come at a certain point. God also wants to restore the order of his new law of life in his church and is saying to the church to seek not great things for yourself. He has had to tear down and pluck up what may have become worldly and superficial practices in the church in recent times concerning things like celebrity leadership styles or the love of money, looking to the world to be like the world. Like Israel said, we want to be like the nations around us. 
God says to us, as he did to Baruch, the Blessed One, I will give you life as a gift in all places that you may go. That's the new order. We receive his life that we may give life to his world wherever we may go. There will come a time when God will sum all of this up. When the Lord returns, Lord Jesus returns, and he will have the perfect order. In the meantime, there is a contending for the order of darkness against God's order of light. And the Bible says, where darkness and sin abounds, God's grace does much more abound. And in the midst of great darkness, he says, you shall be a great light. So Paul writes about this experience of being given a new order of life, and he shares it with all of those who desire to live with a true heart of a good conscience towards God. An order of life is a law of life. An order is a law because it means to regulate how that life is lived to its highest order. So as I read this following scripture from Romans chapter 7, I'm going to be using the word order of life in the context of a law of life. Romans 7 verse 21, Paul says, I delight in the law of God. Now that is the order of God's wisdom. That's Moses' law, the law of Moses. I delight in the order of God's wisdom in my inner being, but I see in my members, that is my outer being, another law, another order of life, waging war against the law of my mind in the knowledge of God. That's the inner being has this order of life of the mind being in the knowledge of God and the outer being is warring against that and making me captive to the law of sin or to the order of life of independent self-interest that dwells in my outer being. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That body of death is that sense of miserable estrangement from God that Adam felt when he went out of relationship with God and felt distant from him and hid. He was estranged from him. He felt this law of sin and death that we explained earlier on. Thanks be to God, Paul says, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I myself, my inner being joined with God's being, serve the law of God, that is, serve the order of God's wisdom with my mind in the knowledge of God. But with my outer being, I serve the old order of life of sin, independent self-interest. So you can see the contending going on here. But Paul ends this passage of Scripture by saying, But there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. So a higher order replaces a lower order. And we have to contend for this new order of life. The law of sin and death still resides in our mortal being, and it contends with the spirit of life in Christ 
in our spiritual being at every turn in our lives as darkness seeks to extinguish that light and that life. But it can be overcome by our faith because the Holy Spirit is always awakening us to the ongoing mission of God for mankind in the earth, which is for us to be transformed into the image and likeness of God in Jesus Christ. Our faith in God's divine action upon the human heart and mind by the Holy Spirit empowers us with His grace to reorder the reasoning of our minds and to love mercy and to release His wisdom and justice into our personal world. The Holy Spirit will empower us to make commitments and to control our actions and enable us to fulfill God's will for our lives. In these days in which we live, I believe that we're going to see more grace being given for this new order, the highest order of life in humanity in the earth, which is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, begin to overcome that law of sin and death. It's something that you carry with you. You carry that law of the spirit of life in Christ. You take it into your world and it affects the world around you. And it opens the way for hearts to receive that new order of life. And the activity of God upon that heart causes it to want to commit to that rather than to be enslaved and imprisoned in the law of sin and death, which is the miserable law of estrangement from the life of God. Let's rise up in the new order of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you all.